Welcome back to Texas by Design. I am Brian Kennedy, Chief Private Market Officer with Jones and Carter, and I'm here with Jennifer Keller today. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So for those of you that are watching and listening, I'd like to give you a little bit of background on Jennifer and the variety of roles that she's had in her career. Jennifer was a practicing engineer and made the shift about 16 years ago over to the private market uh, with KB Home to be part of the land development and acquisition team. Since then, she's worked in a variety of leadership roles with home builders as well as master plan development companies uh, in Texas. Most recently, she was division president with William Lyon Homes here in Houston prior to the merger of Taylor Morrison. We've worked with uh, Jennifer Keller for the last 16 years. We were fortunate to have that uh, time together, and uh, she's truly one of the standout figures in the single-family land development uh, community in Texas. So Jennifer, before we dive into the impacts of COVID-19 on the single-family housing market, I'd like to look back at the Q1 housing market uh, prior to the shutdowns and economic impacts. What are some of the key factors that led to some of the home builders and developers seeing record sales in Q1 of 2020? Good question. I think that there are a lot of factors that led to the success uh, before the shutdown. We had you know, really good job forecasts you know, for the, you know, a lot of our markets in the state of Texas and in the country. Uh, we had low interest rates. Uh, the builders were very tempered in their inventory that you know, right before the end of the year, they kind of pulled back on their starts just a little bit. And so I think they were positioned really well to enter into Q1. And with positive forecasts, low interest rates, um, you know, one of the things that I saw in the data was that 40-foot lot programs, 30-foot home width programs actually doubled in starts right before the end of the year. So we had product that was affordable and attainable and, uh, you know, hit a, hit a tremendous sales season. We also have some really good communities, particularly in the Houston market. We had, you know, some communities that saw some tremendous growth year over year. The Bridgelands is one example, number one community in the city. I think they saw over 50% starts growth uh, year over year as they were heading into the first quarter. Balmoral is another example. It's a land chaos community, fourth best in the city. And I think they doubled in starts right before, you know, the, the first of the year. So I think we had, you know, a lot of things going for us uh, and as an industry, and we capitalized on it until the shutdown. Awesome. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So we've heard for years now that millennials are totally against moving to uh, suburban living. As a matter of fact, most pundits have actually suggested that millennial, millennials will actually lead to an urban redevelopment boom. And in many ways, we've seen a rebirth of the urban lifestyle. So during this COVID-19 uh, pandemic, how has the dem that demographics philosophy, philosophy changed from urban to suburban living or urban versus suburban living? I think it's a little early to see how they're going to totally change, but I can see how they will change in some of their thinking and their preferences. Um, you know, I think most of them have been renters to date, and uh, data I've seen is 35% of millennials are looking to buy in the next few years. And so with that and the COVID experience, I think there are renters, uh, those, that faction of renters that are looking for more healthy options, walking trails, an urban kind of lifestyle, which some of our master plan communities offer. Uh, and so I think you will see some differences in the way they think. And I think they'll want to capitalize on some of the low interest rates and come out to the market and buy. Hmm. Well, sticking with the demographic discussion, mm -hmm. a lot of home builders and developers keep demographic statistics really t to establish kind of trend lines of the buyers. Mm -hmm. So what are those statistics telling us about the buyer today? Well, about 50% of the builders right now in the COVID you know, moment 
are experiencing first-time buyers in pretty high demand. So I think you're seeing a lot of first-time buyers. Um, we also expect after COVID for the buyer to look like first-time buyers and to also have a lot of young families, uh, you know, want more space, want more options, maybe some different home choices. Uh, you know, we, we expect product to even change a little bit in, in terms of, you know, uh, offices and, and stay-at-home, you know, environments and things. So I think you are seeing a lot of first-time and, and young families that are buying today and, and post-COVID. Awesome news. Great. During the pandemic, we noticed that buyers only temporarily paused before jumping back into the market. From our perspective, it was much sooner than expected. So what's your thoughts on why they jumped back into the market so soon? Yeah, it surprised me too, uh, and how quickly they jumped back in the market. But when I sit back and reflect on it, I think it makes a little bit of sense. Um, you know, first and foremost, they were trapped in their homes and had a lot of time <laughs> to think about whether their homes were where they wanted to be. Uh, I think that um, there were a number of buyers that were already looking before COVID, so it kind of sparked that they had a lot of time to research what they wanted. And so we saw a lot of research activity. In fact, I've seen some statistics recently where I think it's hard um, for the month of April, they had 60% increase in the people on their website looking at listings. So there are a lot of people, I think I've seen some Zillow stats and some other stats uh, that are similar to that. There's a lot of people out there with some time and, and some motivation to get out of what they're renting or get out of where they're living or get some more space or get to a different location. So a lot of time, um, and I think the low interest rates are you know, really motivating factor. I've heard some builders offering incentives where they're buying down interest rates into the mid twos as a motivation to buy. And when can you remember interest rates being in the mid twos? <laughs> so I, I think there's a lot of uh, really strong motivators out there that are, that are getting people back into business. Great, great. So it seems that virtual tours, scheduled showings, and other digital platforms have become the norm during this pandemic. Do we do we think that's gonna that's here to stay to stay? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, I, I think for years we've been attending conferences and you know big big thinkers have been talking about technology, investing in technology. We've known it's coming. This has accelerated the the use of that technology, and I think you're going to see even more technology. Uh, you know, we've heard things you know from autonomous vehicles and community shuttles. We've heard things from you know 3D printed homes, offsite home construction. I think I read an article yesterday where there's a home being built in Japan and shipped to America. You know, so there's all kinds of technology being talked about, and I think this is really just the start of a major transformation. Awesome. So Jennifer, based on the data that you've seen both nationally as well as statewide, how's the Texas new home buying market doing compared to the rest of the United States? Great question. Um, Texas markets really perform well. Uh, as long as I can remember, you know, we just have great fundamentals. And um, recently, I've seen some data. If you just look at April's jobs report, um, the Texas markets are in the 12% range on unemployment. And you compare that to somewhere like Las Vegas at 33%. And, and the best I've seen is uh, April data for DC is in, in the 9% range. And so when you compare that on a, just, just a pure unemployment rate and what the impacts post-COVID could be, we look like we're sitting you know, pretty good compared to that. As far as you know, Austin goes, they're on a lot of hot lists, markets to watch. Dallas has been strong. It's predicted to be strong. Houston has some, some challenges that are uh, more unique with, with 
with oil and, and you know you can expect some, some differences there. But Metro Study has put out data that even when oil is low, we produce a good number of homes consistently. So everybody, I think, is expecting Houston to remain just as strong uh, as it has been. I've seen another data report here recently that um, just since March, March to May, and you look at the impacts and the most improved markets since March, uh, all of our markets, you know, Dallas, Austin, and Houston are in the most improved category compared to other markets in, in the country. So I feel like we're, we're doing pretty good, you know, as, as a state. So it's great to be in Texas. Great to be in Texas. Awesome. So Jennifer, although we're not through Q2, it's a two-part question. What do you think sales are going to look like through Q2? And then secondarily, which product lines are very successful and which ones are struggling right now? Good question. Um, so Q2 data, I'm going to touch on a little bit of new home, a little bit of resale. But I think if you look at most of the reports that have come out, March you know, really started to be a point where, you know, when we saw the shutdowns that some of the sales started to slow down. And April was a tough month uh, for a lot of builders and for resales. <clears throat> I think I saw some resale data where April was off 35%, for example, and in Houston. And the new home builders for April, I've heard reports anywhere from 20 to 50%. But the good news is that in the month of May, although the data, I haven't seen it actually be published yet, the month of May, shows that, um, or anecdotally, that the builders are saying they had a good May. And so, you know, even some of the builders saying it almost felt normal. So I think that uh, those are positive and encouraging signs. What's selling most uh, seems to be first-time product, smaller lot sizes, smaller price points. So what you would expect, you know, first-time buyers would come out and shop for. Awesome. Well, let's hope it's a blip on the radar. Let's hope. <laughs> So Jennifer, we know there's a lot of talk about the economic headwinds that face us in Q3 and beyond. We have oil price stability concerns. Obviously, there's even been discussion around the COVID-19 spike that's going to happen in the fall. And of course, it's an election year. Mm -hmm. How do you gauge those events and impacts on sales in Q3, the new home buying sales? And then also, I want to peer into Jennifer's crystal ball and kind of uh, hear you discuss what you think the sales will look like for the remainder of 2020 in Q3 and Q4? It's a great question. Um, I think there, it's almost too early to say. Uh, there's a lot of data coming at us real time. And, you know, every day it seems I read something that's a new data point to consider and factor in. Um, <clears throat> but what I will say is from what I've heard most, right now it feels like the market, new home market, could be off nationally about 10% if we have a V-shaped recovery, which everyone thinks is what may be happening. Uh, but there is a lot of speculation about whether there will be a second wave, whether there will be more job losses, will there be another impact that makes it different than the recovery we think we're seeing. And so for that reason, I think that um, you know there's a range of expectation that, that I'm hearing, <clears throat> and that could be that we're off 10%, could be we're off 15%. Uh, nationally, and uh, I think even in the resale market, I've, I've heard that we'll be off maybe 25% here locally. So it's still very real time with the data we're seeing. Uh, you know, you do surveys of the consumer, and, and some of them, you know, I think I've seen half of consumers are still worried to go get a haircut. Mm. You know, 70% of Houston's um, restaurant reservations are still down 70%. Uh, so, you know, we have some challenges we, we haven't quite overcome yet. Um, but there's a lot of positive talk, too, like we might see a deferred selling season 
where we would normally see that in February, March, April. Maybe it's just going to be a deferred selling season. Um, you know, we have uh, the potential for people to relocate because they're in a market that has been shut down and um, maybe they want to live in a place or get a job somewhere like Texas where we've opened up earlier. So I think there's, you know, a lot of positives and a lot of negatives, but I think that's the range we're looking at. And going into 2021, you know, I think um, I've heard that we might have some pricing pressure, uh, but we should have some slow growth. So, you know, from, from what I'm hearing, the long-term outlook is, is pretty strong. Hopefully we'll have that V-shaped return. Let's hope. <laughs> so Jennifer, from an industry perspective, what trends or what should we be shifting to in the development philosophies in 2021 and, and beyond? I think um, when we go through, you know, something like we're going through with the recessionary experience, um, there's a lot of focus on costs and time. You know, normal, you focus on costs and time, but a lot more focus on how can we do things quicker. Particularly, we already know that we um, have somewhat of a shortage in lot supply in Houston. Uh, I don't know if the other markets are quite, uh, you know, the same, but we definitely feel it in Houston, and and so there's a there's a pressure to develop lots, but the time frame to bring new lots to market is getting longer and longer, and so we as an industry need to think about what can we do to compress that time frame um, and to control some of the costs and to think outside the box, you know, on water plants and sewer plants and, you know, drainage studies and how can we get there quicker and cheaper, you know, because we're fighting, uh, you know, affordability and we need to do things better. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. So Jennifer, that was a lot of great information and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating. And follow Jones and Carter on social media, YouTube, or wherever you consume your podcasts. And thanks again for joining us on Texas by Design.